Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Chase my locks, padlock the door, and put up an eviction notice. Yeah, that was me. You? Why? Because you haven't paid your rent. Can I at least get my stuff? All I found in there was a jar of mustard and a couple of old cycle magazines. Wow! I have mustard? But they're engaged. Doesn't matter, it can't happen. Why not? It's bound to come up. It's impossible. Lois could never have Superman's baby. Do you think her fallopian tubes can handle his sperm? I guarantee he blows a load like a shotgun right through her back. What about her womb? Do you think it's strong enough to carry his child? Sure, why not? He's an alien, for Christ's sake. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. Only someone like Wonder Woman has a strong enough uterus to carry his kid. The only way he could bang regular chicks is with a kryptonite condom. That would kill him. Salsa shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I could do without the people in the video store. You have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. convenience store do you run here? Miramax Films presents... You think anybody can see us down here? Why? Do you want to have sex or something? Uh, can we? Clerks, just because they serve you, doesn't mean they like you. You hate people, but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? Featuring new music by Soul Asylum, Corrosion of Conformity, Bad Religion, The Jesus Lizard, and music by Alice in Chains.
Okay, Dave, that's it. Screw you and your college flunkies. I've had enough of this from you and from everyone else. I know what you guys are trying to do. Break me down, drive me out of the force. Well, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than a lame prank like this to get Curtis Mooney to throw in his badge. So fuck you. Over. Did you miss me? I guess not. Commended in it. I've got my own list too, but she's she's into right. different types of stuff than I am. So. Well, we all. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Inside Movies Galore. I'm your host, David Streggy, and tonight so we're going to be talking about a classic film, supposedly to some, whereas um, this was actually my first time watching it, uh, even though I had actually had it in my collection. Um, uh, I did. I, I, see, I've watched all the other Kevin Smiths, but this was the one that I had not entirely gotten to. But I'm going to me- mention the director uh, once again. Kevin Smith, in 1994, this was his directorial uh, debut. And uh, I'm just. What is called? It is called Clerks. Uh. And I'm just going to say what IMDb says about the film before we go on with spoiler alerts, ladies and mm-hmm. um, A day in the lives of two convenience clerks named Dante and Randall, as they annoy customers, discuss movies, and play hockey on the store row. They discuss a movie. Shame <laughs> on you, IMDb. The, uh, the quick blurb that Kevin Smith himself used to describe the film at Sundance was much longer than that, and it included salsa sharks, and I was amused by this. <laughs> the salsa shark is one of my favorite things. For sure. uh, we should point out that the lovely lady who recommended this is not with us tonight, so I guess you could say we're doing our own little version of Men Alone to the KY Connection here, you know? For sure. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, yes, the movies we're thankful for. This one was Katie Cadaver's pick, and uh, I agree. It is a film to be thankful for. For many people, not for all, but... (laughs) I'm definitely thankful for it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, worthwhile. Alrighty. So, um, uh, what, what we're going to do, uh, do here is go in with first impression. So, uh, I'm going to start with uh, you, um, Jake. Uh, why don't you uh, head us off here? What okay. was your impression of this film? I cannot honestly tell you how many times I've seen clips over the years. It's not a huge number. Um, I never had the gleeful adoration for it that some people do, but I remember my introduction to Kevin Smith was uh, twofold. Uh, I went to college, I started college and fell in with a group of film geeks uh, the same rough time that Dogma hit theaters, and I actually saw Dogma in theaters, but I think it was also about that time that at the 
uh, pet store that I worked at in Richmond, I was informed that if you work in customer service, you have to see clerks and mall rats. And I was very much advised yes. to see them. And I think I saw mall rats first. So I think I had, and then chasing Amy not long after, I think I saw all four of those within the span of a few months. And, of course, they're kind of the essential Kevin Smith viewing, really, so for the, those four films, you could argue. Um, I loved Dogma, and I was like, what the heck is this? This is just crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 but one thing that always has, there are two things that have always given me a little bit of pause with Kevin Smith. One is his gleefully foul mouth, which I have awkward rem remembrances of the uh, first time I saw this in Mallrats in the company of parents. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other thing is that uh, I can't remember what movie it is where they make the reference to a whole it being a whole bunch of dick and fart jokes. But really, honestly, that there, there's a lot of team-level humor throughout the films. So they're not perfect, but I will say, as someone who has worked in oh. customer service for much longer than I care to admit, in many different fields... And I currently have two different customer service jobs in very different fields. I have worked in a restaurant. I have worked in regular retail. And <laughs> I have definitely experienced a large portion of what they have go through in this movie. And I get it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, I get if it. If you've ever worked at like a mini mart, which I have yes. done for a fair amount of my adult life. It is definitely, everybody has had a day that's fairly similar to Clerks before, where you're in there, you you weren't supposed to fucking be there today. And yes, I've had a couple of those days, yes. Stuff just <laughs> seems to go wrong on that day, you know. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and um, I also, again, I was introduced to Kevin Smith through some film geeks. Uh I've always appreciated the fact that this was a homemade film, pretty much. That he did it, he and some friends did it themselves. And, and I, I respect that. And I've always, uh, yeah, it, 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 it is kind of inspir inspiring uh, to see someone, you know, make something happen, you know, pretty much uh, on their own volition, you know what For I mean? For sure, yeah. making something out of nothing. Right. <laughs> Alrighty, going over to uh, uh, Brandon, uh, why don't you tell us uh, what your first experience Well, uh, first I'll go ahead and uh, just uh, before I forget it all, uh, I had promised Dustin I would read his thoughts off real quick, so this would be a good time to do that. Uh, he had um, not been able to finish this particular one because his file crashed at the 50-minute mark. Uh, he wanted to say that it's a great work of observational humor that's entertaining 
Uh, it's an entertaining event, though nothing's necessarily going on. The black and white presentation gives it this surreal feel that the everyday and everyday situations probably wouldn't be as interesting in color. He also wanted to say that he liked the uh, gum salesman part, which we can talk about <laughs> later. Yes. Uh, but this is not my first viewing of Clerks. Um, we miss you, Dustin. <laughs> unlike a lot of the uh, others, I did see Clerks first. Uh, I was a really um, back in the back in that time. I was a very big comic book geek at that time. It was pretty much just comic books and video games for me back then. <laughs> And when I heard about Clerks, I just had to check that out because, again, uh, I've heard I heard a lot about Kevin Smith being a large comic book uh, comic book person, so it kind of felt like okay, this guy's gonna really uh, have some cool stuff. So I watched Clerks, and that was my first exposure to Kevin Smith. And then after that, I watched Dogman Theaters. Uh, not long after that. <laughs> It was uh, really kind of a cool and surreal experience. I hadn't been used to watching more artistic type films as it was. And it really was kind of a mix of artistic and indie. So that was kind of an early exposure to me to that level of film. So it was kind of cool. I really enjoyed it. The uh, Jay and Silent Bob characters uh, kind of uh, threw me for a loop. And then when I saw them again in Dogma, it threw me for a bigger loop. <laughs> So, very much worthwhile, and when I saw it again later on, I gained more appreciation for it than I did the first time, and I think even this time, uh, watching Clerks, the and then Clerks, the animated series, and then Clerks 2, all back-to-back, -back, uh, I think I've gained a definite appreciation of Clerks. I wish I had budgeted time for that. I really do. I'm feeling like... I've had two episodes of the animated series to prepare for this. <laughs> I pulled the set out and set it on my desk. So I need not further than either. <laughs> I was unable to find where I stuck my animated uh, 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 copy. Uh, uh, or my clerks too at the moment. Because I am organized right now. Mm -hmm. But um, I, myself, prepared to and watched Clarks yesterday uh, at midnight. And I watched it twice myself. Like, uh, you know, I was <laughs> going to do the Clarks 2 thing, and kudos to you for doing it, Brandon. I just, I don't know, I felt like that would have informed some of my opinion on this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I got kind of a scattered brain anyway, so I just kept it to the, the single film and just, you know, watched it twice. <laughs> I had to, I had to, just because I had to wonder if my memories of it were uh, the same as they were in the past. It just was too curious. Uh, I'm definitely going to be firing through all of the Kevin Smith stuff after this discussion, though, for sure. And you had to answer the burning question, is it safe? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a burning question for you guys for later, trust me. <laughs> so, um, Mo, uh, what was your when was your first um, uh, viewing of this film? Oh shit! I think I saw Clerks the first time like freshman year of high school. 
with a buddy of mine. I had actually seen, I feel like, Mallrats first. I hadn't seen Dogma yet. Somehow I missed that when it came out. But I wasn't aware of the stuff, you know. Just at the time, probably looked kind of stupid to me. But, you know, in hindsight, it's actually probably my favorite of the Kevin Smith movies, if I had to pick, outside of Clerks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, it's just always stuck with me, you know, because there was, like, you watch stuff like Evil Dead or low-budget horror movies, they make you want to make your own horror movie for sure, but then there's also that hurdle of, like, but you got to know how to do special effects, or, you get, you know, you got to have some level of expertise in those fields to be able to pull it off or know somebody who does. Clerks was the first low-budget sort of independent movie I watched that made me want to make my own movie simply because you don't need, they didn't need anything to do with it. They just needed likable characters, good a good script, and a location, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in terms of like bare-bones indie film stuff, I think Clerks will always be a shining example of that because... There's really no special effects in it. There's there's not a bunch of production value behind it. It's just dudes hanging around their job, you know. Um, so it goes without saying that it's it's definitely a favorite movie of mine. It's one I've watched countless times over the years, and still don't know that I fully understand every little subtlety of it, you know. Okay. So it's one of those things you can kind of unwrap the onion a little bit every time that you watch it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that that will probably ever stop for any of us, you know? Repeated viewings of Clerks, I think, mm-hmm. are a must, whereas the other James, or the other uh, Kevin Smith movies, maybe not so much, you know? But that that's basically my first impression, was that I was just absolutely blown away with how much they did with almost absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. You know? The storefront, some shoe polish. <laughs> and I, I go and mention that just to make sure it gets mentioned. The uh, the shoe polish thing was brilliant. It was a way to say, well, we have no real money to work with. They were allowed to film between hours of business. So it was basically like 10 at night to 6 in the morning. So they, and they did three weeks straight of nighttime filming. But in night, you don't have light outside. So they had to explain why there was no light, or rather dance around it. That's so brilliant. They just, they just kept the shutters closed by saying that someone put the gun in the locks. And then, you know, and then of course, you know, the, you put the, the sign up with the shoe polish, I assure you they're open. Not only sets up the the constant. Do you smell shoe polish like throughout the film? Accurate <laughs> too. It does stay with you all day if you've ever fucked with some shoe polish. But the other thing that was accurate was that people don't read. He has this huge sign. <laughs> are you open? Are, are you open? Are you open? <laughs> I do have to point out that we missed an opportunity here, David, with you not opening this with, I assure you, we're open. Yeah. Well, and I assure you, we are open for discussion. So, uh, safe. <laughs> safe. <laughs> but, uh, that being said, um, I, uh, like I said, had never seen this film before. Although I've seen many different clips 
from it, okay? Uh, and I picked it up along with uh, Clerks 2 and the animated. I've just never watched the movie. <laughs> so, uh, what? I said multiple well, with you. I, I didn't say the whole thing. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, I've never watched the, uh, the, their entire uh, all, all three of the, the, the things. So after this, I may actually try to see if I can rip out my Clerks 2 and my Clerks anime. You do. didn't like it, dude. There's some stuff we talked about in the Killer Clowns discussion that actually has touched on in Clerks. <laughs> Excuse me. The second one. Nice. Um, well, anyways. So, um, uh, that being said, Clerks is about two uh, Clerks who end up uh, working in the same spot. One uh, wasn't supposed to be working that day uh, and was called in. And the other is just your uh, normal uh, run-of-the-mill run VHS board employee mm -hmm. uh, who, who knows everything about every mo mo movie and yet is pleasantly annoying and and rude to customers. What do you think of Dante? <laughs> he, I, uh, he hits a little close to home, honestly. I, I feel like I have a little more spawn than him, but he actually tries. He, he doesn't give a damn about his job, but he does try not to be too bad at it. You know, he does, he does try not to piss people off. You know, he tries to be the peacekeeper, you know, taking shifts so he doesn't have to. And, uh, yeah. He's definitely the more, be he's the everyman, and Randall's, you know, it's kind of like Dante's the one that you are, and Randall's the one you wish you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think it's a perfect yin and yang, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, Dante cares too much. Honestly, in my opinion, and Randall doesn't care enough. Yeah, you know, so they, they sort of balance each other out a little bit, and uh, I don't know. For me, Dante's a bit of a whiny bitch, but like you pointed out, I think most of us have a little bit more spine than Dante. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. yeah um, Dante, uh, Dante, to, uh, to, uh, to me, uh, he, he was kind of a whiny. Person. Um, uh, a whiny bitch sometimes, though. You know, sometimes you just have a bad day. He had other plans. He was trying to play hockey at two or whatever. Oh, yeah. I just wake up every day saying, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh, in his case, long part of the closet. Make a little nest quick in the lid of your cookie jar. I mean, I've definitely had days like that. <laughs> Or if you uh, if you go by the, the TV show, he wakes up in a, under a pile of dirty laundry every day. <laughs> I have definitely never fallen asleep in my closet, but I have woke up drunk in the clothes hamper before. <laughs> that I can attest to. It's just so cool in the bathroom. Yeah, like the opening thing where he's called by his boss, he tells him, he's like, look, 
I'm not. I'm. I worked last night. I closed last night. I've got a hockey game at two. I can't work. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, you're gonna be there by noon, right? You'll be there at noon, right? And his boss tells him this, and he 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 goes in on us, you know. And I never had that exact thing happen. I have been called into work on my days off, and I've done it. The closest thing I've had to this is there was one job I had very, very briefly as a bartender um, that was a very... The people running that company, I know, they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> and there was a day where they decided not to open. But they didn't think it important to tell anyone. So I actually did show up for my shift and waited an hour before I called the boss and he said, yeah, they're not open today. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've had the full spread, like, you know, getting called in on your day off, and then you have the dude that, like, is supposed to come take over, and he doesn't oh, fucking yeah. show up, so you end up oh, working yeah. a double shift, or... Uh, I've had the yeah. thing happen when, uh, when I'm call uh, called in to uh, come in, I get there, and they tell me go home. Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, I've literally done the Dante thing where it's like, okay, if, if you're not there, though, I'm yeah. taking off, and then you just, you need the job, and you don't want to get fired, so you end up staying even though they aren't there. Kind but of have thing. you ever found out that your boss, who said they would be there, is actually in Vermont? <laughs> kind of, dude. I have definitely had days where it was supposed to be a trip to Costco, and then they ended up going to Portland for the afternoon, and I was stuck with the boss's kids, who were like 12 and like 10, running the store for the day, you know. And then I've had gnarly stuff happen, where like, I used to work at this pizza place that was right across the street from this, this mini mart, much like the one in Clerks. And I was at work at the mini mart that day, and I kept telling that dude, "Stop scheduling like my pizza shifts over my fucking mini mart shifts. You see me over there at work, like you know when I'm working." <laughs> and that's how I quit the pizza job, dude. Like he showed up one day, he tried to pull that shit, and I went to work at the mini mart because it was the better job, honestly. And he showed up, and he's like, "You're supposed to be at work," and I was like, "I am at work, dude." <laughs> And that, that was how I quit. Like, I just never went back into the pizza shop. Have you ever had a customer come in and, like, flip out? Because, like, aren't you supposed to be across the street or something oh. like that? Or, are you everywhere? <laughs> yeah, I definitely, that was a running joke. It was, like, you know, then some, some of the people would buy, like, the pizza Lunchables at the Mini Mart just to be funny or something, you know, because I was usually making their pizza at the pizza joint. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that job, and it was a lot like Clerks in, in a way. You know, the boss was like a big comic book nerd, so he actually, we were one of the last places in town that sold comic books. Hmm. So we had the comic book rack right there. I, I didn't have to buy comics for like two years, you know. I could just pull them off there and, and read them and stick them back on the rack. Welcome to Burger. Home of the Good Burger. May I take your order, please? Oops, wrong way. I even had bizarre stuff go down. Like, his son was, like, a rampant shoplifter. And so he would steal all these... Because he let his son work there for, like, summer money or whatever. So he would steal all these bags of chips. And then I used to... I live in the same neighborhood that they lived in. So I would give him a ride home. And he'd put them all in the back seat of my car. 
when he would steal shit out the store. So there was a whole fiasco that went down with that, where I, you know we had to flip out on that kid because he was like about to get me fired, you know. One of the biggest issues I have with Dante at the end is he's so wishy-washy, and he's one of those people who never uh, looks inward. He always finds other things to blame for his situations, mm-hmm. and though a lot of the time he's got a crappy life, but he really is the master of his own fate right there. This one takes a place over one day, so you're not going to get a lot of character growth or development. I think he really does. Do some, he does do some of that in the second movie. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think that there's quite a bit of character development in uh, the first Clerks movie. They work hard to try and develop those characters. Well, for one day, yeah. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and obviously yeah, we'll get to anyway. it later, but the whole fight with uh, yeah. with Randall later kind of yeah, we have yeah, to be yeah. but, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Jake. Oh, sorry, no, I, I, I don't think I had anything going there. <laughs> so apparently, um, while they are uh, they are doing um, their job. Or at least while Dante is doing his uh, job, there are there is a customer that walks in. Uh, this is like the fairly first scene after he uh, after he um, basically opens up the shop, and um, he incites a mob. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you think about that uh, first scene for the gum? <laughs> That uh, actually, that is something that has become sort of a running thing for me is almost any customer service job you have, especially if you're in retail, you will have that thing that everyone and their brother wants. And in this one, it's the cigarettes, you know. Uh But it's like when I worked in the the fish stores, like everyone wanted betas and killers. That was it, really. They came in looking for, for the, the betas, the so-called fighting fish. Or, or they had big fish, and they were looking for what they call killers, you know, uh, 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 or feeders for the for the killers. You know, so that was, because that, that was where we were located was the, the theme. Um, when I was in the restaurant, we would make a joke. They basically, it was like the ranch dressing, sweet tea, mad. Right. Those were pretty much the things that made that restaurant go round. <laughs> Didn't you bring up the killers on one of these yeah. discussions too? You're um, like, has anybody got any killers? And actually, in the um, at the restaurant, I actually came up with what I called the Salem bomb, which is utterly disgusting. But my boss was so amused, he put it on the menu on the computer, which yeah. was a, drop, a ramekin of ranch dropped in a glass of Natty Light. Uh, <laughs> Dude, honestly, though, that sounds kind of like the type of thing that might cure your ass from a hangover or something. <laughs> but, uh, awesome. um, but yeah, these days I want to try the warm fuzzy rice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, again, you get the people that just want the same thing over and over. 
over again. You get the same thing over and over again. And and I, I that, that to me was one of the true to life moments. Every other person was like, "You guys, cigarettes or something like that." And I'm like, and I love the end of that scene where one of the mob goes up, <clears throat> get some cigarettes. <laughs> right, right now at uh, the restaurant that I work at, uh, I work at Popeyes. So, uh, um, oh damn, slanging those chicken sandwiches that motherfuckers are losing their lives or. Yeah, I know. you are a death merchant, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> basically. Uh, but um, yeah, um, in fact, I got a story about the sandwiches. Um, uh, the uh, so the sandwiches become a regular menu item, and uh, uh, at least for uh, for us, is, uh, uh, so uh, I, I guess my 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 head manager is in charge. Actually, uh, we sell so many of them that we cut them off. At like eight or eight to uh, eight to ten o'clock at night, wow. uh, and, and uh, there's this guy who comes by like at like uh, eleven o'clock at night, uh, and uh, he doesn't even stop by the uh, dry uh, the, the the driver's window. He pulls up and is, and is like, "Are you guys open?" <laughs> I'm like, "The lights are on." Um, and, and I'm like, sir, we got a procedure here. You got to go back, uh, back to the window. And he was like, I was just there. I'm like, sir, I was just here, and we didn't he hear you buzz or anything. You know, he, he just went to the win uh, window straight like th uh, that. And, th and then I told him, I'm sorry, sir, but uh, but just so you know, before you order, we don't have the sandwiches. And he was like, really? Well, why the fuck not? You know, uh, you pull your ass out that little tiny window, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, as I'm backing up towards the back, uh, back of the, the thing. No, you get the tweakers that walk up to the drive-through window, ride up on like a bicycle or some shit, or like some gas-powered razor scooter that they jerry rig. We've had our drunks because uh, because there is a club nearby, and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there's there's a guy. He's kind of creepy. Um, he, he, he always comes up looking like a zombie and, uh, and he comes up and he like bumps against the window and, and like bumps his head against the glass. And finally, uh, we point him over towards the window and he's like, uh, like he's trying to stumble with his words and he's like, can I get a two piece? Like. Mumbling, and I, I'm like, okay, and, and then he's fumbling around in his wallet for hours, trying to grab his uh, <laughs> his credit card, and we're and we're we've already grabbed the two piece and are trying to hand it to him out the window, and said, "Here, just take it already." <laughs> so I've been there, not at the drive, but I don't drink and drive. But <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, I mean, I think everybody at some point, mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, even I worked fast food at one point, and uh, I remember at Arby's, the most popular thing was not the roast beef, mm -hmm. it was the chicken tenders. Weird. And our boss would n never order the chicken tenders <laughs> we would run out by we would run out of chicken tenders by the 
what was it, by the middle of the week. We would get our orders in, and then by, uh, I think, three days past, they would be sold out. But she never ordered more. Well, so we always went out. Our uh, problem in our restaurant is half the time, the stuff comes frozen. Okay? Yeah. Stuff comes uh, frozen, so obviously we've got to uh, give some of it time to thaw out, okay? Right. You know, like the or whatnot. Well, half the t- uh, time they'll go through all of it that's been thawed, uh, you know, uh, by uh, by the evening shift. Uh, shift. Well, we'll run out of the d- uh, damn sh- uh, uh, shift by, uh, uh, but you know, by the t- uh, time the mid shift comes, so. Well, definitely, you gotta make sure you gotta make sure you rotate that stock, though. Make sure you rotate that stock, and don't just use the newest box that came in. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the job was actually Taco Bell, man. So I, I dealt with a lot of that too. Man. Shit like crazy, but it, it, it'll still frozen, and then we'll still have to tell the customer uh, we're out of tenders. Okay. What? Why are we out of tenders? So you never really had hot ticket yeah. items like that, but definitely one thing that I took note of working at Taco Bell is always like those like weird sort of skinny little housewife type, I don't know what you call them, like those girls that you imagine post a lot to Instagram and buy a lot of Starbucks <laughs> seem to exclusively eat the, the chicken quesadillas. And I don't know if it's they think it's healthy. You're at Taco Bell, man. Nothing here is healthy. <laughs> That's just the way that it is. And then boiling hot nacho cheese is my other takeaway from that. Once I, I, got a whole vat of that spilled on me, I yeah. felt like that motherfucker in RoboCop gets dipped in the radiation tank or whatever. Like, he's all melting. I love it. I love it when you have returning customers. You know that they're returning customers because you see them every day in in the drive-thru. And you know that they know are, are not on the menu anymore. It's hard to let go. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, we should probably bring back around to the... I really could use this as a segue talking about weird and unusual customers and like and, and pseudo customers might be a good segue into um, <laughs> the Jerry and Silent Bob uh, <laughs> characters. Because uh, they are definitely synonymous with the Kevin Smith this universe. <laughs> Selling drugs on a street corner, at least casual drugs, is kind of a lost art form, you know? Like, yeah, you used to be a day you woke up for but... Yeah. I mean, knowing a, de- a weed spot used to be a thing. Now you can just go to a store, which is entirely weird to me. I mean, at least in states where that shit's a thing, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like that here. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I can just rock up in a store like I'm ordering some chicken sandwiches. <laughs> get all type of bud, you know. Well, these days, I would love to visit one of those just because it would be cool to see it. Uh, but uh, with, I mean, this was the uh, first time ever that we got to see Jay and Silent Bob, who basically became a staple in all of his movies. 
Mm -hmm. uh, up until Jersey Girl, which I think was the first time that they were not involved in. Yeah, and that's when we have Dante, uh, Dante also uh, is saying to uh, uh, J uh, Jay, why do you always have to, have to sell drugs in front of me? He's not selling drugs, he's selling herbal supplements. I don't think they're out there dealing crack rocks, you know? Yeah, there's that one scene where it's like, I think Dante says, I don't want you selling drugs, and he's like, I'm not selling drugs, and the girl comes up, what do you got? Well, okay. <laughs> shortly after that, where they put the I smoke cock thing or whatever on the door. Yeah. <laughs> I suck cock, yeah, that, that's what right. the... <laughs> I always, I, I always found, you know, Jay kind of a little too over the top, but it, I guess in his later appearances, they smoothed off some of those edges. Bob uh, <laughs> does. Like, it's cool when you have a character that's used just right, and that's his kind of window dressing. He sort of, he it literally is the straight man to the crazy that is Jay. Uh, until every now and then he says something, and it's either this wise thing, or it's just a perfectly timed little something. You know, like the, I think it was in Dogma where they did the uh, Indiana Jones reference to no ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> There's some great subtleties with Jay and, and Clerks, though, like when, he, when they spark up that blunt and then he just bolts. <laughs> like, I, I kind of wish I knew that trick in high school, you know. I did, but I never thought to apply it, you know. <laughs> One thing I found very interesting in this background, I always kind of knew this, but I, I, they were very explicit in the background that I read that, that Jay basically is Jason Hughes. But Hughes, yeah. when he filmed clips, he was apparently extremely camera shy. Yeah, he apparently did not like. He just did this stuff without thinking about it. But when he had to do it for an audience, he had to think about it. <laughs> it was difficult. So I found it kind of interesting that he actually went on to have a decent acting career. He's been in a bunch of stuff, um, not just involved with Kevin Smith. Um, yeah, I actually was it. He's been in quite a few horror films. Uh, yeah. I actually enjoyed his part in Feast. I actually, I still can't believe I enjoyed Feast, but Feast. I did. Feast was a fucking movie, yeah. dude. I used to have the poster on my door for years for Feast. It just, it, the, uh, actually, the trilogy as a whole for Feast was always fun. Yeah. I really liked uh, Feast. Uh, in a roundabout way, that is sort of takes him back to the Kevin Smith stuff because Ben Affleck was involved I believe in producing Feast and I maybe some was a producer, yeah. Yeah, so but um yeah, so that, I just found that kind of interesting as well as the fact that like apparently Kevin Smith was not originally going to be Silent Bob. He was going to be Randall. And then they just uh decided oh you know Jeff Anderson, oh man, he just He'd be a great Randall. <laughs> well, they, they've got a they've got an actual funny little bit where uh, you can in one of the uh, special features of Clerks X right. that uh, has the auditions, 
And you get to see, uh, you get to see Randall basically auditioning as uh, Jay, which I thought was kind of cool. Interesting. And the dude who, the dude who ends up playing what's his face, uh, Rick Garris or whatever his name is, is the one who was supposed to play Dante. So they actually did sort of like a musical chairs with the cast until they found the ones that were just right. And I think they did in the end find the ones that were right for the roles. Oh, uh, the actors were perfect for the roles. Yeah. Well, I guess we kind of skipped over some character shit too here because, I mean, what do you guys think of Randall? Randall? Uh, he, 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 he's a character. <laughs> He's an abrasive, rude ass, and I would never want him to wait on me. And I also am highly offended uh, by people who behave that way. But I have had moments where I wished I could do that. <laughs> I love having that co-worker that's like Randall that just does not give a fuck for them. It is totally like a disposable position, you know, because... Granted, it is annoying to have to deal and, like, clean up their messes and stuff. Well, yeah. You never want to bring home to your mother. But, right. Uh, but you, you always want to do something with him or like him. Yeah. You don't want to be stuck with him, but you wouldn't mind being in the same room. and with... <laughs> Right. Like, I just want to work with that shit after I've clocked out, you know. It's like, just set the moments. Like, the whole... Um, the whole thing where he's sitting on the counter reading the paper and the woman comes to him for the advice on the movies. And he's like, I don't watch movies. It's just like, well, what have you heard about him? I find it best to stay out of other people's affairs. Yes. <laughs> and then she turns around and turns back the same two movies. What about these two? They suck. <laughs> and then just, you know, I, I love that. I don't that. appreciate your rules. Yes, I don't appreciate your rules, ma'am. <laughs> you're rude. Your clever attempt to trick me. Like right. that. <laughs> I was on the phone with all those porno names. Yes, uh, that was good. Bad. Happy scrappy. Uh, that was a happy scrappy. Happy scrappy uh, hero pups. Where's that, where that movie again? Uh, <laughs> um, that one the KY connection obviously has been the thing. I think in front of a mother and her. Well, apparently Jeff Anderson refused to do that in front of a child. He, he performed it, and then they filmed the other side of that as reaction shots to the, the you know what I mean? Like, because he was, I think, I think in what I heard in the interviews was like, he was like, eventually my mom's going to watch this, and I know how they think I said that to a child or something. That's fair. Speaking of, you also had a scene where he sells cigarettes to the child. And I love that. Four-year-old. <laughs> he's clearly selling. What did he think it was yes. a midget? I mean, he can't be not... He's reaching right. down to hand it to the kid. <laughs> he just right. Right. Yeah. yeah, he literally does not care. That, that's the point, I think, at <laughs> the whole of it. <laughs> And what does end up happening to Dante later? Even though Dante, I think Dante probably got it. I, I think it would have been worse. I don't know what the rules are like in New Jersey, but if that had happened in Virginia, I'm pretty sure Dante would have gotten more than just a $500 fine for that. 
Uh, and um, I think that that's exactly why I would not want to work with someone like that. But like I said, seeing it unfold, maybe. It's like those characters that you see on any type of thing. They're amusing characters to watch, uh, have right. all the other characters slept, but you would never want to know those characters in real life. Right. Well, I you don't know those characters, for sure. Like, the, well, I've known people like that, too. This one guy, one time that I worked at this gas station, like, he just did not give a fuck for him. It was, like, a part-time gig exactly like that. He just didn't care. And we would go to into stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we got on a fucking thing this one day. I don't even remember how it started anymore, but we were like, fuck the squeegee. And then we eventually basically encouraged him to break the squeegee. And he didn't broke it, but right as he broke it, the manager walked out. And so he got fired on the spot. It was fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> and he was also the dude that you would bail on. Like, I was supposed to take him to a Slayer concert with me once, and I just purposely took off early from work so that I didn't have to take that motherfucker to the Slayer concert. On the other hand, some of the conversations he and Dante have, I definitely, I've been in those conversations many times at work. I, the, the in-depth movie discussions and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I did love the, the Jaws reference, as we said before, with the Salsa Shark. Salsa Shark. It's, especially because that was, as we as we mentioned when we covered Jaws, that was one of my favorite parts in the movie. <laughs> the, part, awesome. the part where Quint's like, you go in the cage, cage go in the water. Shark in Shark's the water. Shark's in the water. Ah, shark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, it's that. like just substitute salsa for water. You got the same idea. It's <laughs> kind of almost scarier in salsa because salsa is thick and probably yeah, harder. True, you won't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Brandon. What were you saying? No, no, it's just like I was like sharks in the salsa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, one of the things that I feel like defines Kevin Smith as a as a whole is. Uh, the conversation. I mean, oh, that yes. really, that really is Kevin Smith to a T. Right. Uh, his his movies all have that particular conversational mm-hmm. feel to them. Even even Jersey Girl uh, mm-hmm. has that feel to it. It's Which, actually. Hmm. That's the thing is that all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not like watching a Woody Allen film. When you watch a Woody Allen film, you you can always tell it's a Woody Allen film. Or a Wes Anderson film. You can always tell when you're watching a Wes Anderson film that it's a Wes Anderson film. Well, I'd say it's it's appropriate that this film came out the same year and was cross-marketed by Miramax with uh, Pulp Fiction. Because it's the same thing with the Tarantino film. You know you're watching a Tarantino film. Right. Yeah. Like Kevin Smith shit, definitely people have bigger vocabularies than you normally would expect to hear from people that are also using that type of language sometimes, you know? Well, that's one of the hallmarks of both of their films, is the in-depth pop culture conversation and the extensive and offensive language. The biggest difference, I think, between the two is that Tarantino's films are more action-oriented, and particularly he loves a little of the old ultra-violence. 
And uh, <laughs> Smith is a little bit more about kind of just mundane, everyday life sort of things. You know what I mean? Like, uh, even even when he gets into the supernatural, like dogma, uh, most of the action is still people talking, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I think that is kind of cool that they, they have those connections, but they're also different, you know? For sure. Sorry to cut you out there again, Brandon. You go ahead and cut me off a couple of times. We'll balance it out. <laughs> but uh, it's, well, again, it's just that conversation. It does rule the Kevin Smith film. I don't think anybody here would say that. It, uh, I don't know. I have not watched uh, Tusk. It's the only one I have not seen. Dude, I think you're going to love it. <laughs> Though I have, oh, and and of course the new Jay and Silent Bob film, I have not seen that one right. either. Oh, the but, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard fun things about. They're all talking about a Clerks three eventually coming out. So they've been talking about that for years. Who knows if it'll actually come true? But yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably more likely than not, considering how much they like going back to the welfare stuff anymore. Um, and considering there was a fair amount of hype around the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, um, Tusk, though, you should fuck with, dude. Like, it's definitely, like, you know, short and sweet with it. It's it's equally stupid and disturbing. <laughs> it's definitely stupid, too. <laughs> but that's what's the... I think that's where a lot of people were thrown off with it. They thought he was trying to do, like some legit horror film but when you watch it, it it plays very much like he is just trying to be as silly as possible but at the same time trying to legitimately fuck you up a little bit so uh you should put it on your list brandon yeah. so dante um is uh ultimately going in between uh having ideas and fancies on two different women, in which we haven't mm -hmm. yet. So, on the one hand, he's got Veronica. On the other hand, he's got one of his exes, who, who is supposedly getting married that he didn't know about until, until his, his, this day shift at this right. job. So, um, and her name is Caitlin Gray. So, on the one hand, Veronica bakes some shit and is there, <laughs> you know. And, and on the other hand, mm -hmm. and here, she's that gir uh, girl that we always wanted, uh, wanted, but he can't entirely have. The one that got away. The one that got away. Yeah. Right. That 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 hits home with me particularly strong because definitely I've been in that position where it's like yeah, sort of. Uh, granted, I was in that, like, when I was, like, 17, not a fucking adult like Dante. But uh, you kind of mythologize that first love. She's exactly that, the, the one that got away, right? Like, that girl that you always wished you could have figured it out with, you know? And there was definitely time. I mean, that, that part of Clerks is, is definitely the, the element of it that rings most true to me because I've definitely fucked up other relationships for that Caitlin Bree chick. In, well, there's in, always that chick that you always uh, wish that you could have boned, 
or the uh, or the fact that uh, or the one that you actually wanted to be with. I wish I had some motherfucker like Silent Bob to come up to me and tell me some shit. Like, women in the world, not all of them bring the lasagna at work, man. Most of them just food yeah. It's a cynical message, but it is an interesting uh, way for Bob to break his silence. And it's true shit, you know. That's 100% true. Like, it's in the context to this one. Yeah, like, situationally, obviously. But, uh, well, they had that conversation where he describes Caitlin's infidelity, and it was uh, mm-hmm. interesting. Um, <laughs> and then the... Uh, of course, he... Dante... Freaks out when Veronica tells him one of the probably the, yes probably one of the most famous uh, the few numbers that have become enshrined in pop culture because of various things and thirty seven is definitely enshrined. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. At least he was the last one. I love fucking Randalls. Way that he helps him out by telling him, like, at least I wasn't 36, you know. Yeah, ostrich <laughs> syndrome. This, yeah. But um, yeah. Well, I just I like the part where Veronica comes. I like the part where uh, Veronica comes and brings him the lasagna, and she's like, "Hey, Randall," and he goes, "37." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then he's just like, <laughs> yeah. You gotta have that fucking friend. <laughs> well, I'm looking at that. Was... Mm-hmm. Oh, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, I remember in the cartoon they also made fun of the Caitlin character a bit. Um. Mm-hmm. On, and her infertility quite a few times. It's like, well, you know, I always wondered why I was invited to that painter's uh, birthday party. <laughs> 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 and as, uh, she's, uh, she's in a three-way with two painters. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the, that joke is one of the things that saved the movie from obscurity in the first place. Not to put too much credence on someone that we now know is a colossal douchebag, but um, the this film did come out when this when Miramax was very much the baby of the Weinstein brothers, and um, apparently uh, Harvey Weinstein walked out of the movie fifteen minutes in the first time he watched it because he was offended by that cigarette thing. But they got him to watch it again, and the, and, and the guy whose name is Tusk, in, interestingly enough, said, stay put until 37. That was what he told him, supposedly. And apparently by the time that rolled around, Weinstein was laughing so loud, everyone in the theater heard him. And so it was like, okay. So I guess he did a few good things for the world before... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, not so I don't want to be the odd man out here, though. <laughs> but I, I, and I'm not saying that I appreciate that fucking Weinstein did that shit to, to women. It's fucked up, but I like that it makes it easier to hate him. 
You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of want to hate like sleazy movie producers, billionaire type dudes right. like that, anyways, or whatever. And just knowing that he's an absolute fuckbag makes it a little easier for me to justify hating him. So. And I do like that the backstory is that he was the hardest sell on Miramax. Everyone else loved the film. He was the hard sell. So it's like, it might have happened regardless, but it, it, it definitely, given the fact that this was literally the closest thing to a shoestring budget a film like this gets, right. it, it really is remarkable that it ended up a little bit. But, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, I Hey, Jim. Hey. Oh. I thought it was Dustin. I saw horrors and I was like, <laughs> Nope. Uh, so Tim, um, have you ever seen Clarks? Yeah. I've seen Clarks one and two, the cartoon. And the one where Jay and Silent Bob go on like a road trip. I forget what it's oh. called. Yeah, that's it. And and what did you think of the original Clerks? It's funny. My favorite part of the whole movie is when that. What are you guys doing that? Yeah. Yeah. We we did we did all that, but but I figured I'd ask you what your what your opinion was. Yeah, like Pat Benatar said, bro, hit me with your best shot. Fire away. They haven't done favorite scenes yet, but we definitely have kind of touched on them. <laughs> I like it's really funny, and I like that it's in black and white. That adds to the humor, also. Okay, right. My favorite uh, uh-huh. scene is when the guy comes in and he's like, "Here's the guy over talking." Like the the guy over here's the him and I don't I forget the guy's names. Randall. Yeah, Randall and the other guy. Mm-hmm. He overhears them talking, and he comes up and he said, "Why are you guys talking like that?" I'm highly offended. I'm highly <laughs> offended. And then he's like, "You think that's offensive? Check this out." <laughs> oh God! You notice what you notice what that guy was carrying, right? I don't know. I never really noticed this either until I looked at it at IMDb, but, you know, you know, the topic of the discussion at that point was about cleaning, and he's carrying cleaning supplies. It's like paper towels and things. Yeah, yeah, he is totally <laughs> buying paper towels. That's fucking funny. He's about to go mop some jokes himself. <laughs> oh, uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's several questions I have for you guys. That's, 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 that's that a good, one thing I didn't touch on, and that's a good thing. The guy that plays that guy plays like four different parts in the film. There's about four or five people who play multiple parts throughout the movie. Did not know and, that. Um, well, the producer, Scott Mosier, plays, I think, three different roles. Isn't he Snowballer or whatever? Yes, he is. And he's yeah. also the angry dude that challenges them to the hockey game and throws their ball away. Wait, what the hell? Did they put, like, a fake beard on him or something? No, he shaved his beard. Apparently, they, they joke in the commentary that the only special effect they did was having 
both of them in the same scene. That blows my mind right now. Like, I did not know that at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Mojo's, like, Kevin Smith's bad. They've done a lot of stuff together. They sure and have. This was, uh, um, but, yeah, um, he's credited as William, the idiot man-child, angry hockey-playing customer, oh. and angry mourner. Uh, Walt okay, Flanagan so yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, Walt Flanagan is credited as Woolen Cap Smoker, Eggman, the Fenstmer, and Cat Admiring Bitter Customer. Um, David Klein is Hunting Cap Smoking Boy, Low IQ Video Customer, Hubcap Searching Customer, Angry Mourner, and Angry Crowded Door. <laughs> yeah. Etc. You got several people that have. You know, when you have like a small group of people doing a movie like that. I mean, my only experience with doing like short films, uh, I did do Mm -hmm. a short film a few years ago, and Mm -hmm. I ended up having to like put the mask and the get up on to be the killer during a couple of scenes (laughs) because I had to shoot him after the fact for like special effects and shit. And it's just how you got to do it. I think that's super fucking rad, though. Like, the Scott Moser thing, especially, is mind-blowing to me. Well, the, the, I've only been on a couple film sets, and the last one was a local production, but I don't know if it ever saw the light of day. I hope it did, but I But I played two different roles as an extra there. But apparently, Kevin Smith put out a couple of roles for extras here, but um, not, not enough people showed up. Like, he put out calls for extras, and just no one showed up. So he's like, okay, well, I want... I need you to do a couple parts there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's kind of a shame, you know. It's like, it, admittedly, it can be hard to get the word out if you're an up-and-coming, you know, director, but, yeah. Well, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, go buy yourself a few cases of Natty Ice and a <laughs> little Caesar's pizza, and you just put free beer and pizza, and people will show up for sure. Sure. Oh, we got punch and pie. <laughs> <laughs> and you just tell them, like, hey, here's the thing. You want that free beer and pizza? You yeah. gotta, like, you know, shoot a little scene with us real quick. Or tell them they got pumpkin dancers. Go get a Gatorade. Exactly. Gatorade, yeah. That would be such a cool <laughs> gimmick for, like, a Clark's fan film is, like, free Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the the one dude, the one dude, um, what's his name? Um, David David Klein, like we said, he's the one who, when they do that sequence where they're complaining about the customers, and you have the same two, three customers that are in both shops. Uh-huh. And, so he's the one, it's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. It's something like, you're that one with that guy that was in that movie. With the- <laughs> <laughs> I love that one, and I love the, what do you mean you don't have ice? You mean I got to drink this coffee hot? Uh, I, I, love I used to think that was hilarious, but I loved iced coffee. But still, well, the, the fact that he's so indignant about it, I do find that funny. They kind of <laughs> predicted the iced coffee thing when you think about it right there. Yeah. <laughs> If I had a favorite scene, I would have to say it was when Caitlin Bray came out of the back and was uh, uh, after fucking dead guy. Oh, Dante, you were so good back there. 
How did you get uh, uh, get here so fast? <laughs> he told me. I don't know. I like the scene where the other dude's going back there in the first place. Oh, and he's asking about the toilet paper and the dirty man. Yeah. Oh, man. It's called Wreck Man. Oh, Sonny Boy. Look at those magazines back there. What? Porno Mags? Yeah, I love the, uh, I love the uh, cartoons they draw. <laughs> No, yeah, that so one over there. They got the, they got the bigger titties in there. I love that. Then he dies in the bathroom. Uh, a nice yeah. subtle part of that scene is where he's like, "Be careful of those lights. They they got stuff inside that gives you cancer." And he's like, "I had a friend that chewed light bulbs in the circus." And Dante's like, "And he got cancer from chewing light bulbs." And the dude's like, "No, guy, hit by a bus." Yeah. <laughs> Because have made so much sense. <laughs> there are but, uh, so many scenes from this movie that uh, probably are terrible. Oh, yeah. uh, but, uh, but, uh, but then you can see the same thing about Mallrats. Oh, yeah. Rats in a lot of ways, was close with a bigger budget. I mean, it really was. And it, they had some great stuff in it, though. I love Stan Lee's part in the film. And, you know, there's some good stuff there, but... <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of a lot of Kevin Smith's early work was kind of de- a derivative of the same thing. Even chasing yeah. Amy to a point was kind of just yeah. a rework of Clerks, but uh, to fit a different narrative. Well, I did like. And, I know, Brandon, you watched a lot of the special features. I don't know how many other people watched. You watched the uh, funeral scene, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was cool, the, the animated thing that yeah. they did for the funeral scene. Did that. anyone else get to watch that? No, I, I avoided special features again. I, I, I'm trying to go for, like, a pure view of the film as just the film. They had originally, they had originally thought about actually filming the scene in the funeral home. Uh, Julie Dwyer, I think her name was. Um, instead, they do that five minutes later cut <laughs> with uh, yeah, Dante trying to pretend he's like too expensive. Uh, they were too expensive. They couldn't afford it. Um, but they went back. It worked out better that way. Yeah, I think it did. But I like this. They animated in the style of the animated series. They animated a short film that is that scene. Yeah, I saw you guys and, that in the chat. And they brought, and they brought in Joey Lauren Adams, who played Alyssa in um, in Chasing Amy, who, who revoiced that character. Um, and they make reference to the finger post from Chasing Amy and what have you. But that was an interesting little uh, way of uh, tying it in together, I thought. For sure. Chasing Amy was his best one, I think. But even that one fell victim to certain uh, juvenile things. Well, I mean, <laughs> the one time that when he tried yeah. to do something different initially, uh, he did right. Jersey Girl, which kind of flopped. And then... Yeah. After Jersey Girl, there were a couple of other attempts to go off, uh, such as Red State, which was decent. Um, I like of course, Red Tusk. 
<laughs> and then, of course, uh, then he kind of fell back into the uh, well again when he did yoga hosers. Oh, my God. But uh, he, fell, he fell a bit too deep into the well. I tried to like that movie so hard, and I just, I mean, I, I don't want to influence any of your guys' opinion, but god damn. I, he's also, he's also gotten a little more into television. I recently watched a Flash episode he directed that had Jason Hughes in it. Um, and I think he did a couple others and a couple of Supergirl episodes. Um, well, so, he, uh, he wrote an entire, yeah. like, uh, an entire storyline for Green Arrow, which, um... Should have been the thing, and that's one of my favorite runs of Green Arrow. Oh, it was an awesome, it was awesome. That's got, still got those runs in, uh, hardback. Yeah, I just yeah. recently fucking co collected all of it, man. My girlfriend helped me out a ton, because uh, mm -hmm. she's definitely going to listen to this. Um... <laughs> You know, it's like I think Judd Winnick is the other writer on it for the majority of it. I got all nine volumes of it. It felt really good to finally complete that. But Green Arrow Clover. If you guys want to read some good Kevin Smith comics, can I tell you guys my favorite scene in Mall Rat? Go right ahead. It's the scene where he gets the pretzels, and he, like, puts his finger up his butt, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then gives it to the dad. Then he gets sick. In the movie, yeah. that guy was such a dick, it was kind of funny seeing him suffer. <laughs> <laughs> was it Mike? And they kind of recreate that, uh... <laughs> I think if I had a favorite thing from all rats, it would be the, uh, the Wonder Woman and Superman joke. I just like all the parts where uh, Silent Bob tries to uh, use the force. Oh, <laughs> my favorite definitely where his girlfriend basically breaks up with him because he's too busy playing NHL on the Sega Saturn. Like that rung so true to me because there was definitely a period in high school where my jam was like NHLPA Pro Hockey '93 on the Sega Genesis, and I did not give a fuck who was trying to hang out at my house. Like if there was someone down to play hockey. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and I would call a lot of ball hockey like that. Sorry, bud. Well, actually, that's a good uh, segue. Because we might as well get back to where we were and uh, talk about that. Because there were two times where they kind of just uh, said, fuck it. And we're going to just close the shop anyway. One was for the funeral scene <laughs> we discussed. And the other was for the hockey scene. Which um, didn't last very long, but... Uh, Hmm. Well, still a kind of cool and unique thing. They brought one fucking ball. Uh, the orange one and the uh, no orange one. <laughs> See, that's a new move too. Coming from someone that used to play a lot of like drunk ball hockey, you right. always come with like the tennis tube, right? Like you can buy them right there at Big Five, where it's like a tennis tube full of like five hockey balls. <laughs> set up and you're good to go you can lose balls all day we used to chuck them in the river a lot of the time on accident because the best parking lot right here to play is like right at the riverfront so <laughs> whoever's got that like you know north facing goal or whatever is gonna end up getting balls in the river I it was either hockey or football for me when I was growing up well, I'm Canadian, bro, so, like, <laughs> hockey is sort of an inherent thing that's, that you 
eventually have to fuck with, you know. <laughs> I just never took to other sports. Like, I, I, you put a baseball in my hand, like, I played baseball for eight years, so I'm terrible at it, but I did it, because it's kind of the organized sport down here. Football <laughs> is really my deal, but hockey, for some reason, like, even drunk, I can skate my ass off and, and puck handle like a beast. So... You know, the weird irony is I am bored to tears by baseball, and I've never cared for hockey, and those are the two professional sports that I have been to professional games. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell? Well, I mean, they teach their own. Hockey to me is like, well, again, I am predisposed to love the shit, so. <laughs> so, definitely, uh, and I'm sure Brandon will be. If you have not checked out Arrogant Worms, uh, you like hockey. Uh, <laughs> They're a good Canadian band. Uh, yes, they are. They are. Yeah. Especially Care Juice's Murder. I'll be looking that up as soon as we're done with this. Uh, Arrogant Worms are a parody band. Well, not parody band, but a comedy-centric band from uh, Canada. Um, but uh, we, had the, we had those two scenes. And of course, the uh, the dick that basically said, "Well, I need my cigarettes, so screw you," and chucked the ball basically right. after going them on right down the gutter. <laughs> but I mean, and, they all float down there. Good. All came <laughs> back up to the top. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the cigarette thing, and it kind of it always used to cause me problems to watch it. Because early on, and now the first time I watched it, it didn't bother me as much because the first time I watched it, I was, I, I didn't have any professional experience and uh, it was just a thing. But after getting some experience in my field, when I came back to it the second time, it disturbed me more because I've seen it to where, this is back, uh, this is back in earlier days when I was working in mental mm -hmm. health, uh, we would take the van on payday down to the tobacco store, and the people who would cash most of their paychecks, most of their disability checks, on the cigarettes. And uh, that would be it. Uh, they would beg for food and barely scrape by because they needed the cigarettes. The cigarettes were the yeah. very first first thing in their life. And I keep thinking to myself, so whenever they would get a cigarette, I, the pack of cigarettes, I would just reassociate it with that, that whole idea of that uh, control it really just has over the people. It and, sucks. And of course, the other thought is, I'm glad I never started smoking. <laughs> I wish no, I never had, you know. And the weird irony is that uh, apparently that was Kevin Smith's personal politics leaking through. And like I said, he comes across as so preachy, he almost lost a movie deal because of it. But the, the irony is, he started smoking afterwards. And now he's a heavy smoker, apparently. Or he was, at least. Well, I'll tell you right now, it's a lifelong fucking nicotine addict. It's mm. a stupid habit. So anyone listening to this that's ever even, like, been tempted by this shit, just stay away from it. It's fucking expensive, bro. Like, six to eight dollars a pack, depending on where you live. And as, some, as somebody who works with substance abuse, I have been told this by people that have been addicted to crack, heroin, 
and uh, other substances, and they've all told me that cigarettes are the hardest to quit. It's such a conversational thing. I'm literally smoking a fucking cigarette right now, dude, because, like, it's... It, it feels nice to have something in your hand, and I'm and I'm totally out at the uh, at the moment. So I, I, I'm a smoker. So yeah, and, and again, let me tell you, no offense to you people who do it, and the people who smoke. It's just it's a hard habit. Well, I think at this point in the game, dude, any of us that smoke that take offense at anti-smoking sentiment are stupid because we all wish that we didn't smoke. Yeah. A ton of money, and I, it will fuck you up. I, like people who what? Dude, know, I used to skateboard like crazy, you know, and never get out of breath. Now I get out of breath like walking down the block. You know, it's ridiculous. Now, I will say, getting uh, just a, a slight, slight detour from this, um, the part where I, I do feel like I have experienced things kind of like this before, the scene that starts that whole smoking tire, anti-smoking tirade, where the guy you find out is actually a gun representative, a gun, a gun salesman, and... Um, <laughs> You know, he's sitting, he comes in and just gets coffee. And he's like, you mind if I sit here while I drink this? And Dante's like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and then B comes in, you want cigarettes? Are you sure about that? You know, there are very few things more annoying, weird, just plain, what the hell is wrong with you, than going into a place of business and accosting customers Unwritten, you know, it's, you may, you may, uh, especially if you're just trying to make a buck. I mean, if the guy had been a hardcore anti-smoking crusader and he was just doing it out of the goodness of his heart, but he was doing it to make a buck. That dude was a slime bag to do that. I just, <laughs> I think anyone who's worked in customer service would at least kind of feel over there with that. I think yeah, that rings truer than we'd like it to. But even professionally, uh, I mean, in my business, you always have to be careful. I mean, actually, I just got back from a conference uh, last week, mental health conference all across the board, and you always have to be careful of people not behaving as people that they are not in order to uh, kind of sell you on something or service. Yeah. Uh, trying to get those insurance dollars, uh, but yeah. it, it is—it's a—it's a terrible thing to see that happen. But I, I like that scene because it right. did kind of pull it there, put, you know, put you there in a situation that has happened in a lot mm -hmm. of cases. Um, now we've been through most of the uh, central plot, but we've been kind of skirting around the end where we uh, talked a little bit about the guy who died, and of course the uh, the scene where uh, she, uh, where, where, the, where he had been kind of between two women, essentially, and then ends up pretty much losing them both, essentially, by uh, being as undecisive as he is. Well, and and then because we, Randall decided to help. And then, of course, that leads to the big fight between him and Randall, mm -hmm. and that sort of... Uh, and that sort of 
going back to what I had said originally that bothered me about Dante as just his uh, general wishy-washiness, which kind of led him to his continued he, suffering is really his own doing in a lot of those senses. Mm. Yeah, he really is. I mean, Randall might. I Randall, you know, yeah, you blame me for all of it, but you're the one who's doing half of this stuff. Mm. And it's true. He is right. still, despite Randall, he really is the architect to most of his own uh, his own problems. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and again, I've been in that position where I've done that same kind of stuff, and that's totally true. The way you just described it, you are the fucking person that's you know because Rand uh, Dante's whole thing is he doesn't know how to appreciate what he has. And he's constantly complaining and blaming other people for stuff that's probably his own fault, you know. Like, there's the running thing that he could be doing something better with his life by going to school throughout mm -hmm. courts, you know. Or he, he, could, he could be making something of himself, but instead he's content to just hang out with Randall at this fucking convenience store, you know. And he's always pining for the chick that he doesn't have, even though he's got, like, a really good one, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. I've been in that position, man, and, you know, at the time, you don't realize how much of an idiot you're being. And sometimes <laughs> it takes somebody like fucking Randall, nothing I've ever enough to have that, but sometimes it takes somebody like that that, kind of reality checks you a little bit and they're like, dude, you got a lot better than a lot of other people. Yeah. Actually, Tim, I know we haven't gotten to you as much about those because we, we've been talking a bit about before we got here. Do you know of anybody that would be uh, kind of a Dante in, in your past history or late situation? No, not really. <laughs> but how about a Randall? <laughs> There was some class that were always really rude to yeah. I could always class? imagine, yeah, like the class clown, you mean? No, he was like, they cuss out the teacher. They'd actually cuss out the teacher and like make the teacher feel bad. Like, the teacher uh, dang. That's yeah, we're beyond class clown. That's a different time. That's a different thing. <laughs> that's beyond even Randall at that point yeah see I don't know if Randall really is as bad as we make him out to be too Randall is kind of because again when you're at one of those places like a place of work we all attach like way too much sort of personal shit to a place of work at the end of the day you are just a dude that fills a fucking slot with a name tag at those well, types of jobs, you know. At those types of jobs, yes. I've always tried very hard to avoid jobs that have no personal meaning. I've failed occasionally, but I have tried. But sometimes you get stuck with people who do see it that way. And that was why, I mean, I had a job working in a movie theater, but I had to deal with a bunch of high schoolers who had never had a job before or it was like their second or third job. And they were more of the Randall mentality of, this is boring. I don't really feel like being here today. I don't feel like working, whatever. And you're the one stuck with it. And I'm the one stuck with it, trying to be the, the, the voice of reason 
but also trying to keep things running. Because when you got all of them behaving that way, someone's got to do the work. Yeah, you, exactly. And I think it yeah. comes back, I forget which one you said it, but we all are, a lot of us are the dumb Randall. And that's, that's kind of the thing, you know. Uh, I've only had a couple of, of jobs where I got to be the Randall, but it wasn't <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've rarely, if ever, gone, I don't think I've ever gone full Randall, but I've had a couple of jobs where I wanted to. Uh, I definitely have never went full Randall in terms of customers. I always wanted people to like me. <laughs> I've always wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Randall in the sense that I used to be the dude like listening to Steve Miller band and smoking blunts in my car and like just not going to shit, you know. Actually, it is it is interesting that so far no one has mentioned his favorite his famous line. This show would be great if I'm for fucking customers. <laughs> I think it's such a given, you know. I think that's that's that that's that line in Clerks. That rings true to you, no matter whether you're a Dante or a Randall. Right. Like it is just and it, it speaks so much to the fact that all of us are shitty. That's one thing that I was thinking about today with clerks is like all of us are shitty customers sometimes. You know, we ask a little bit too much, or we ask more than those people's pay grade. Fucking you know, justifies sometimes. Here's yeah. a question that might sound like a, uh, like a smart question, but it's really a dumb question. <laughs> um, uh, is, the question. is the customer always right? No. When I worked in that fish store, we had a Gilbert strip up on our wall, and I've always come back to this. I've looked for this strip, a copy of it for myself, and I can't find it. But it's a, it's a Dilbert strip that features Dogbert. And it's called Dogbert's Rules of Management. And, you know, he's, he's up in front of the class. He's got his <laughs> pointer, you know. And it's like, you know, three panels. And it's like, first one is like, Dogbert's Rules of Management. One, the customer is always right. Two, you see a very angry Dogbert holding the pointer very menacingly. They must be punished for their arrogance. <laughs> and I, definitely, I feel like Randall probably has that as his mantra. <laughs> Dude, fun fact, I used to actually draw a little comic strip when I worked oh. as a janitor at this place uh. for a while. And it was Moose and Squirrel. Like, that was, it was Rocky and Bowinkle, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was just like workplace situational Dilbert type shit. Right, and all the employees loved it, but management came down once and saw them all in this like pegboard that we used to use, mm-hmm. and they shut my ass down. They straight up told me like I can't write, I can't do the comic anymore. I used to write random quotes on the uh, assignment board at the restaurant I worked at. Uh, at the time, I was a big fan of Family Guy. I've gotten over it since then, but I was at the time. But it wasn't always Family Guy. There was some really random stuff that found its way up there. But usually it was something snarky or whatever. But it was fun. Maybe yeah. I had mixed feelings about it. It's a good way to pass the time when you're like break room in it, you know? Right. But, uh, that's, that's basically what I would do. And uh, a big part of my repertoire was stuff about... Because we were janitors, you know? So mm-hmm. 
a lot of it was like, oh, toilet's busy, I'm just going to piss in the garbage can kind of thing, and it'd be like a moose pissing in a garbage can. <laughs> they got fucking stupid. Like, they came um, down, didn't even just say that we couldn't post co- comics on the thing anymore, they specifically came to talk to me. <laughs> you could have said no more posting cartoons on the pegboard, and... and I wouldn't have felt personally attacked here, bro. Like, you fucking came and talked to me directly. That's a little nuts. Well, why don't we, uh... Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, why don't we move to the, uh, the last part of this to uh, get through the rest of the plot, um, which is the ending, which, mm-hmm. depending on which version you watched, could be very good. Could make it very different. One version would make uh, the animated series and the sequel kind of irrelevant, whereas the other one kind of just uh, basically has an ending that leaves it open. Hmm. So, has everybody seen both endings of Clerks? Um, I think I've only ever seen the standard. I've seen clips of the original ending. I didn't budget enough time to watch the uncut version, and I'm very annoyed about uh, that. That was the extended version, right? Yeah. Oh, Tim, have you seen the original, the the uh, the dark ending of Clerks? Dark ending. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Special feature. All right. Well, let me tell you the dark ending for everybody to know. Uh, We've already talked about spoilers anyway, so. Somebody comes in and they basically guns down and kills uh, oh, Dante and Randall at the end. What the yeah. I don't think they kill Randall. Do, do they? Yeah, they kill both. Okay, I didn't realize that. So, it's a very dark ending. Uh, <laughs> which is why I say you can't really have any more movies after that. <laughs> so, obviously, they did not go with that canonically. Yeah. But that was the original way they ended it, but they decided to change that up after a while. Um, do you think that that would have been the preferred ending? To me, it felt like it destroyed the tone yeah. doing it that at the end. I would agree. I think that kind of fucking yeah. ruins the whole vibe of the movie, you know? Yeah. It goes from being cynical to being straight up bleak. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, uh, Smith was heavily, heavily, heavily influenced by David Lynch and Spike Lee, and I think that ending was supposed to be an homage to Do the Right Thing or something along those lines, but it's, it really, that's more of a Lars von Trier ending. Influenced by David Lynch and have like mm. an elaborate zoom on an ear or something, you don't need to exactly. fucking kill everyone at the end of the movie. Right. Well, apparently the original version, the original script, was much more Lynchian. It just a kind of the the uh, it was going to take place more at night, and it was just the weird customers that come in. And I admit, if David Lynch got it in his head to do a convenience store movie, it might be pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, dude, all the weird, drugged out, fucking weird right. tweaker people that you see. It would be something, like, uh, would be something like uh, Frank Sinatra's Man with the Golden Arm, except, uh, except uh, Eraserhead style. 
<laughs> you could have some weird drug trip shit and like a murder sequence or you yeah. know like a murder plot that you get entwined in at a, yeah. a convenience store to be honest <laughs> yeah. yeah you could have all kinds of weirdness be some I'll hmm? say during the time I worked in uh, the, the time I've worked in the service industry I have come upon some of the weirdest people mm -hmm. uh, that I've ever come upon. And considering that my field is mental health, and half of my field is working in crisis situations where the police drag people in, uh, that's saying something, that I consider that those people I did in, in the service industry were much weirder than the ones I deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, that's something we haven't touched on too is like I definitely was involved in two robbery situations when I worked in those types of jobs you know it's fucking scary because all of a sudden you are having like a Dante and Randall sort of day and then all of a sudden like there's a gun involved mm -hmm. you know you don't know what this motherfucker is mm -hmm. going to do like you, you can't fully anticipate how this guy's gonna react. So I, I think that ending would have made it a little too real for me. And you know, in a panic in situations like that, you know, because you never know what they're going to do. Well, my wife had actually was telling me about a story from, not her story from Starbucks, but a story that had led to a corporate decision in Starbucks where uh, a person had basically come in the back door that was left open uh, and had robbed the place, had everybody get down on their uh, hands and knees and then shot all of them in the back of the head before leaving, which was the uh, reason for them changing the policy to you must shut all the doors or leave the doors locked uh, behind you. And of course, yeah, that's, that was an inside job. That's kind of... But you know, that stuff happens. That's... Uh, Shit was fucked, dude. Like, I've definitely been in that position where a dude's pointing a gun at you, you know? And it's like, holy shit, this went from me, like, just trying to make minimum wage to all of a sudden, you know, I might die. And life or my death. Well, yeah, and definitely, I did not give a fuck. I was just like, take what you want. <laughs> I don't even think I said anything. I just put my hands up, probably, like almost parody of, like, a stick em up situation. You know, I was just like, uh, they're up. I, I do it. You know. I didn't do it. It's become policy in most cases, is it not? The whole idea that, you know, yeah. you're... I'm just getting what they want. <laughs> right. Insurance will take care of it. Uh, exactly. But I would say mainly because it's... Yeah. Uh, I would say, hey, you want some free food? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just take what you want, get the heck out of here. <laughs> not even like ashamed to admit I went full bitch mode because I was not, you know, again, you're kind of in that casual, normal nine to five fucking bullshit convenience store job situation. And then all of a sudden this dude has a gun, you know, mm -hmm. so I went full bitch mode. I just put my hands up and didn't say a fucking word. You know, I, I was not trying to get shot by some random tweaker or something. Eight <laughs> <laughs> fifty an hour or something. Fuck that. Yeah, when you got a barrel with a gun, it's 
it's it's just I can understand. I've been there myself. I mean, I've had somebody pointing a gun at me. I know Jake's heard that too. Uh, I was about to be. Uh, I was told that if I had gotten, if I had not managed to help talk my way out of it with somebody out there, I would have been buried in the swamp, and my car would have been uh, also buried in the swamp. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Like the dude that robbed us definitely had like previous beef with the place too. You know. Mm. So he went the full night because there was an adjacent restaurant. So he dined and ditched over there, and then came and robbed us. Oh, and it was, you know, I wasn't trying to call any of that. Yeah, I don't care if I can take. <laughs> but to bring it full circle, I think that ending would have ruined the movie. Well, and the cool thing, what's even worse about it, is apparently Kevin Smith just didn't really realize how to end. It was like his first screenplay. He wasn't really sure how to end the movie. And I know from a little bit of experience trying to write that endings can be very difficult. Even established authors often have difficulty with good endings. Um, you know, they, uh, Abrams. Yeah, well, apparently a lot of people give Stephen King flack for his endings. Uh, John, John Grisham tends to rush his endings. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, so, right. <laughs> yeah, Abrams loves his camera flares. But uh, in this case, though, since Clerks, when you really, when you think about it, Clerks is a very much a slice-of-life movie. And so the idea of it just ending works perfectly for Slice of Life. You don't have to have an ending with this kind of movie. You can you just don't. go to bat. So it actually works. Yeah, shift, you know. But just walking out the door like they decided on eventually, that was the perfect yeah. way to end the movie. Uh, yeah. Killing everybody was not the best way to end the movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Speaking of, if you want some good slice of life anime recommendations or anime recommendations in general, hit up Set Them Send vs. The World. These two dudes don't fuck around. Uh, I, I don't, honestly didn't know like that term until I started watching your guys' shit. And oh, like we've got a lot of those. Like uh, Seinfeld was an American slice of life. Um, yeah, a lot of sitcoms are slicing friends. up don't even realize it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know how to quite yeah. describe that shit until I was yeah. watching you guys. One of the shows I grew up on, I love, was Cheers. And Cheers is very much a slice of life series. Which is, yeah. The Office would be a big example of that, too, I think. Should we be moving on to, um, I guess, special effects? We did touch a little bit on the production values, and that is a good thing to, to talk about because the film was filmed on the cheap. You know, we did talk about how there were a few very limited kind of camera tricks or whatever. Um, I think yeah. polish pretty much covers their special effects. Right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty well, just much. The, cho the choice to film in black and white. Right. That was to say, you know, that, you know, probably subconsciously Clerks had a 
effect on me. You know, I love black and white. It's, it's kind of my preferred medium. I don't know what you call it. Uh, but it has a number of videos. That's the idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, oh, wow. yeah. it's it's a hard sell for uh, for the media market yeah. for a black and white film these days. Yeah. So, something to be said about it. I like to think of my pickup videos too when I do like you know like I've done with the Game Boy ones where you show all in black and white and then you have the full color like still photo of the pickup. It makes it a little more vivid. I think it makes you stand out in the crowd at a lot of times, uh, both for your channel and for clerks. Uh, I do think that that really helped them both stand out, helps them both stand out in the crowd, uh, especially with clerks being an indie movie. You could feel the artistic value with it and the fact that just black and white might as well say it's being filmed on that CRT camera at the store. There are times where black and white is a wonderful aesthetic uh, effect, especially the people who do black and white with very limited use of color, like the use of the red dress in Schindler's List, or, you know, you'll get movies like uh, Sin City is basically black and white with flashes of color here and there, you know, and that's... That was a really good, because they were basically doing a filmed comic book with that one. So black and white worked perfectly for that, you know. There are times, yeah, there are times where it can be very, very, very useful. This one was pretty much a budgetary thing, but it worked in their favor, because like you said, it, it helped uh, it stand out in the crowd, you know, and... Uh, and it, it helped also with the idea of these are just ordinary people going about the, well, maybe not ordinary, ordinary people, but, you know, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> I think it hurts, too. It kind of because I think a lot of us in our age range have vivid memories of the 90s and how things mm -hmm. look. Like, I forget sometimes when I'm watching clerks mm -hmm. that it's in black and white, you know. And it is a good period piece of the time because they were literally filming with what was there. Um, and actually, that was one of my, again, on the production aspect, they filmed when the store was closed. They moved things around and they moved them back in time to open the door. And, you know, and one of my favorite anecdotes was from the production was after the fight, where Rand uh, Randall and Dante trashed the store. Mm -hmm. They say in the interviews that they uh, that the boss walked in and saw the mess, turned around and walked right back out. And they were, and they were like, "Oh god!" I wonder if he was saying, "I'm not supposed to be here today." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When you contrast the two movies on Clerks 1 and 2, and though we're not going to talk much about Clerks 2, or even the, uh, the tone of the animated series, both that one and the uh, sequel were both in color, mm -hmm. you can, of course, see a huge leap in production value, especially when it comes to Clerks 2. Yeah. I mean, shoot, they had a full-on musical dance number at one point. Mm -hmm. um, but... With Clerks, the animated crew, they went all off left field. 
into some very strange areas. Yes. <laughs> very strange. Definitely. So, so it was just kind of cool looking at the various media decks come from Clerks as mm -hmm. their sequels are kind of sideways. Mm -hmm. But uh, also on top of that, uh, looking at the music from Clerks, uh, the original music, it is actually uh, pretty awesome all the way through. A lot of uh, a lot of cool punk sets. I believe there was some bad religion in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, alt rock, it's great. Mm -hmm. And then you got the, uh, of course, everybody's favorite song, oh, uh, Berserker. Yeah. Of course. Okay, that was based on something. Apparently that was based on something one of their friends actually did. He would go around pretending to be this Russian rocker and just kind of... <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think uh, absurd lyrics of that have definitely subconsciously, again, influenced me over the years. You know, Brandon, at least, has heard songs I've done. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a little bit of stupidity of that. And, <laughs> and that's... Alright. All right. Um, and then, uh, well, one last production note. We keep talking about the budget. It's probably worth noting exactly that the film was filmed for 27 grand. That is not much for a movie. No. <laughs> actually, shoot the music budget probably, yeah. Uh, the music method alone probably uh, drained a lot of that because they had some uh, pretty uh, well-known groups perform. Yeah. Uh, they weren't as well-known at the time, but they were still... Yeah, I know that would have spent some chunk of change licensing it. And, like, honestly, I think that and probably whatever they gave... I imagine they gave the... The owners of the storefronts some money to. Oh, I'm sure. There, you know. well, yeah, shoot. You know, crash the place for sure. And that's what goes back to my original point, which is Clerks is inspirational to me not only because it's, it's like a low budget movie, a lot with almost nothing. Yeah. But they did a lot with almost nothing. Like, there's no special effects really, there's no fucking. Yeah, yeah, watching Evil Dead as like a young horror fan, you're like, damn, I gotta learn how to do that stuff. But you watch Clerks and you realize that really all you need is like a good script, people to be in the movie, and a good movie. Yeah. That's like Lou Kaufman has said uh, in the past anybody can make a movie if they put their mind to it. And, uh, uh, that's what we gonna. I want to make a movie. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Brad, but they were giving away free Gatorade. That's... <laughs> yeah. Well, see, there's the key to making you can't a movie. Can't the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you can't remove your hand and start filming. Sure, eventually you'll be able to cut somewhere and create something from that shit. So. <laughs> Just uh, next time Kroger does one of those 10 for 10 deals on the Gatorade, you know, you can go probably pick them up for, what, like uh, 50 cents a bottle or something, you know, just stock up when you're, you're halfway there. 
So you guys are fully versed on like the production, but you know the special features. How long did it actually take them to make Clerks? They filmed it in three weeks. Basically, they they filmed it. They talk about this in the features that they were all dog tired because they all had literally had day jobs, <laughs> and they would basically they would film for uh, for the whole time and then do their day jobs, and then yeah. <laughs> if we were to make a movie like this now, like say all of us in this this chat decided to make clerks. <laughs> I'd film it with you guys whenever you are free, so I imagine it would take place over the course of a few months, you know. Well, considering we're all over the country, it would, uh, well, you know, spread out. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a little bit more complex than that. But say we all lived in the same town. So, I'm like, so like with this one, with this one um, Scott Mosier uh, is, um, uh, I believe was a Canadian by way of Washington State, and uh, the other dude, Dave, uh, he is also from uh, Washington, I believe, um, David Klein. Nearly everyone else, if not everyone else, was a native of New Jersey, so it was like pretty much they had two people coming from out of town, and there was <laughs> pretty much it. I don't think there is a film of uh, Kevin Smith that he hasn't at least... Uh, a set in New Jersey because he's originally from New Jersey. So most, if not all of them, are set in Jersey. I can't remember. We've got like uh, I mean, shoot, Tusk was set in Canada, and uh, right. so was uh, uh, Yoga Hosers. Yeah. Where was Cop Out set? Uh Shoot, who remembers Cop Out? I don't think anyone does, but still. <laughs> I don't know about new, like, new, you know, Virginia boys like yourselves, but well, am I, a lot am of I imagining this? people have... Am I imagining that Red State was in North Carolina, or was that actually in New Jersey? I feel it like had to one of those mid-south states. I can't remember. But I don't why I want to say North Carolina. I don't know. But they're definitely the Askewniverse ones. The main ones are almost all set in and around Red Bank, Asbury Park, that area. Yeah. And that's kind of what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you don't see as much local pride nowadays as you should. But right. I've always been proud to be from the Northwest. And mm -hmm. Oh, yeah big thing, big part of my personality, big part of the stuff that I push is that shit, you know, because I was born over here, I've grown up over here, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. I always love seeing Virginia production. I was 11 years old, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, it's been like 20 years since I've even been out of Oregon, Washington, or Idaho, you know. I definitely love yeah. seeing, uh, like the ones that are in my backyard, you know what I mean? Like, obviously in Virginia, there's a lot of stuff that's filmed in and around D.C. and Langley and that area, but there's relatively few in the state properly, but there are a few, and, you know, you know, the one of the ones I actually was in, Major Payne, was very much a Virginia production, you know, so I like that. 
Um, and I like, you know, New World and some of those. You know, it's nice to see it now and then. then uh, so is B. What's that? Summer's B. Summer's B, yeah. But, um, is that the Carolina? 11 was a very recent one that was very much uh, Virginia-based. They found some of it right downtown here. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was good. I got to actually meet the Lovings at one point. Oh. Um, well, I mean, it was the, uh, the governor was uh, congratulating us on our program, mm. and it just happened to be Loving Day. Hmm. Uh, and the cool, but yeah, that's the thing is, it's uh, it's uh, uh, people take pride in where they're from. Yeah, you ask you freaks of that. We've been doing this uh, for almost two hours, so we should probably be moving on. Uh, to uh, is there um, anything else that uh, anyone would like to say? Because we've gone through special uh, effects, we've gone mm-hmm. through music, um, somewhat, um, what we can remember of it, um, and uh, uh, we've, we've done a few favorite scenes, but uh, um, Mo, what, what was your favorite scene? Shit, man, it's such a hard choice with Corey because there's so many scenes that you could say would be your favorite scene. You know? Like, just all of them, all the stuff that we've talked about tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I had to narrow it down to a favorite scene, it's probably that part where she mentions to Dante how much Randall loves him. Yeah. Okay. Because um, that, 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 that is just such a heartfelt scene to me because I, I'm, I'm like that with some of my friends, you know. I might be a goofball and fuck around, you know, but I like this motherfucker. It's like family, you know. And mm-hmm. that little tiny, like, I think it's like a one line scene you know, where she mentions that. Aaron, Randall even says some shit like he's like you break your break his heart I'll kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is so it hits so close to home because I feel that shit about my friends, you know. I imagine I'll feel that shit about some of you dudes. <laughs> you know, the more we get to, Oh yeah, the more we get to a pure friendship thing. And it, I think that's honestly that whole theme throughout Clerk. My favorite thing. Mm-hmm. You know. You like, can tell the two of us. Yeah, they love each other, even though they don't agree all the time and they annoy each other sometimes. It's like, and to me, that's friendship, right there. This is an example of something along the lines of. Randall is Dante's picture number one. Um, Jake, what is your uh, favorite scene? I agree that it's really hard to pick one. I mean, it really is hard to pick one. Uh, I, if I had to say one, it would probably be either the reading off all the 
titles and then what was that one again? Or the part where, you know, where, where Randall simply says 37, you know, that, like, like 37. Uh, probably one of, uh, one of those scenes, probably. It's hard to really say a favorite favorite. <laughs> okay. I think probably one of those. <laughs> uh, what was one of your favorite scenes? Ben. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't know I, I couldn't hear it. Uh, so, I liked... It's really kind of two scenes, but they connect. I liked the uh, start of the whole Berserker thing that they were doing. Okay. Uh, introducing it, and then going back to it, and they're just like rocking out to the uh, real version of the of the song yeah. on their boombox. I just uh, I, I thought that was hilarious. That it was hilarious, and it was just uh, a fun like tie back to where they were. <laughs> the part later when it's just dance on a bob. Yeah, they're playing the song in the boombox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was a fun bit I'd, I'd forgot to mention that they said that uh, Jay was so shy, he did not want to break down and dance in front of the camera, so they set up the camera uh, and everyone else left, and it was just them. <laughs> I will bring this up because it seems like, no offense, well, it's not really no situation. A lot of you guys don't have experience buying drugs from people on on street corners, but I think that uh, what Jay and Bob, Silent Bob, it's definitely they're out there mostly selling weed, and in real life, unfortunately, they'd be selling other stuff. Or they're not going to be on the street corner. Like, just buy weed from someone and go to their house. Dude, weirdly, that used to let a tarantula just roam around his house. And you'd have to go there to buy weed, and there would just be a tarantula roaming around. <laughs> the weirdest fucking thing I've ever experienced, you know, because he treated it like it was a cat or something. One point, because it was like, yo, bro, your tarantula is like on this couch. It, it became one of those things where you just need not to accept a place to sit down from that. <laughs> oh, if that's all right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of miss that in a way. It's, it might sound sleepy, but you kind of miss buying weed on the street corner from a couple of characters or something like that, you know, or a character. And <laughs> that's something that we are going to definitely lose in buying weed at stores, you know, as it becomes legal. Not, and it should just be legal in every state. It's ridiculous that I can, like, get fucked up on hot liquor. And, and you, you can go to these states, get the weed, but you can't bring it back over state one. It's, ridic it's ridiculous, who's bro. Who's got to figure out where you can go to... You got to figure out where you can go to go to the corner and buy some black market vegetables. That'll be good. Yeah, I kind of miss my little devil. Satan cilantro, as I call it. I'm looking the street corner, you know. Uh, that stuff aside, though, it, 
it's just man. That's going know. from uh, Jan, Silent Bob to the Evil Bong series, where uh, <laughs> they're running their own uh, their own bong shop there. <laughs> There's a little bit of the magic that's taken away from it. <laughs> Entire series, even though I've contributed to some of it. <laughs> All right. So. I used to go to this dude's house that is like literally his street name or whatever. I don't know. How do you get a street name? Is it like how they assign names to the NPCs? Word of mouth. You know? Like you just get your, like, because his name was Killer or whatever. Okay. <laughs> Just yeah, like, that, that was kind of my reaction. Was like, oh, <laughs> killer, and you'd go to his like weird apartment, and he was just this giant Mexican fella, and he'd sell you a bunch of weed, and he was actually super friendly, you know. And I, I, I like to think that Jane, and Silent Bob are kind of the best sort of example of that, you know. Well, it's like uh, the guy said in the uh, second Clerks movie. It's like, no, no, dude, these guys are hilarious. That's why I come here all the time. I've <laughs> never been like in bought drugs. I hate to again like sleaze it up here, but if you've ever bought drugs, there is like usually that like animated fella that can't <laughs> shut the fuck up, and then there's like there's always the more, the more silent dude that's like weighing the shit out and actually selling you the drugs you know <laughs> there's always the mooch too the, 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 the actually there's, it, 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 it will sell it to you and then actually mooch off of you uh, off of uh, that sold dope oh yeah that guy that's like oh fuck we hooked you up like roll up front right now or something you know, yeah, it's definitely those dudes. Alrighty. Well, in any case, um, moving on. Uh, I think uh, that wraps our um, for the most part. Uh, so let's uh, let's go around and uh, see who is who um, and uh, where you can find uh, some of their stuff. So, uh, um, Tim, why don't you tell? Uh, are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Alrighty, why don't you tell us about your channel? Tim never got to give us his favorite scene, did he? Yeah, he. I know. No, he gave us his favorite scene in Mall Rats, but not in Clerks. Huh. There was another thing I wanted to say. Like, okay. what, if they, like, what if they colorized the original Clerks? Gross. No. Like, <laughs> that's. It's part of that. <laughs> right, blasphemy. <laughs> blasphemy. Yes. So I'm definitely like a proponent of black and white. Uh, I've been tripping on that recently too. Like, what are all the influences that make me like black and white so much? Because I do my own channel shit in black and white for the most part. I noticed that. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, you just—I'll teach you. But, <laughs> I can do it, but it's you know I, I think color pops when color when you want it to you know, <laughs> and I think that it's kind of interesting for me to think about all that stuff like uh, with the sunglasses thing. Brandon knows all about that. Like 
I've been yeah. tripping on that lately. Like, what might have been my subconscious influences growing up? And Blues Brothers is definitely one of them. You know? Well, we'll definitely have to cover Blues Brothers. <laughs> because it was in Milwaukee, part of it. Yeah. I think it was uh, it was on the list, and the uh, Jackson votes this time, man. So maybe oh, they didn't vote. Oh, you put the votes up? Oh, you put the votes up right now? Or they all? That's on, on for this month's uh, lineup. It was a uh, it was a choice, uh, but um, yeah. it did not get voted in this time. Uh, anyways, you know, like fucking, I think it's. You know, the black and white of Clerks is part of what makes the movie work, you know. It's what makes it have that personality to it, you know. If if you were to color it, it's like when people colorize Dawn of the or not Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, you know. Mm-hmm. It just feels gross to me. It's like, it's, like, um, uh, it's like when they colorize Dark Shadows, it was just wrong. <laughs> it just ends up turning out fucking gross, you know. Like, you watch it, and you're like, ugh. This, ugh. You know? <laughs> like, it's, this is not the way the movie's supposed to look. And Clerks, I think, is one of those ones that would fall into that category of definitely being meant to be in black and white. Yeah. yeah but it's an excellent question, Tim. That's a, it's a good one to pose. Weird. Yeah, no hate, bro. Like, it's... I'm sure... I'm sure there would be some people who would like to see it in color, just to see how it would play. I would would quickly realize that they made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Much like Night of Living Dead, when you see that in color, you're like, oh, gross, no, stop it. Stop what I'm watching. Well, they already did that with the remake, and then when they went back and colored it, <laughs> and then shoot, uh, Clerks 2 is the best example of a, clo- a colored version of Clerks. And, uh, and how they adapt it to where color actually worked fine with it. So, it's just, if you want to watch a good example of like, color juxtaposed against black and white, watch The Wizard of Oz. It's probably been a while since a lot of people in this chat. Or you guys maybe even in this call have went back and watched Wizard of Oz, but when you watch that, like that right there is the perfect example of how black and white works for a certain purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, so Tim, uh, why don't you tell us what your channel is? You could find my channel. It's Horror DVD Devil three three three. And my Facebook is or DVD Devil Gray. Okay. And Instagram, I think it's or DVD Devil three three three. Okay. And I know uh, that uh, you have some interest in uh, animation, uh, from what I understand. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> hopefully, something comes of that eventually. Um, I'm moving over to. Um, uh, Sepnum Sim, why don't you tell us wh- what's your channel? Uh, well, we're Septim Sim versus the world. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I had to sneeze there for a minute. That's okay. 
okay, I'm the world. What do you got against me? Uh, we are uh, we are a physical media channel. Uh, we're all about the uh, Blu-rays, the DVDs, and the 4Ks, and the video games, and the books, and the whatnot. Uh, we talk about releases, uh, we do pick-up videos, and uh, we do some extras here and there uh, this week. Uh, last week, of course, we were doing our, uh, our typical 10... Uh, Criterion films, uh, top 10 films we thought could get the Criterion treatment because this is the Criterion sale month off of Barnes and Noble. Um, and this uh, coming Friday, we'll be uh, uh, coming back to our podcast that we call the Vlogcast. Uh, we're uh, changing up our, we're changing up our method a little bit. So uh, we're hoping to uh, make it more uh, uh, palatable to everybody as we uh, work our way through. So uh, hopefully it'll be enjoyable. Uh, we also do uh, yeah. We also do our uh, stuff for uh, Inside Movies Galore um, next week. We are going to be covering the movie Tremors. It's going to uh, be uh, Dustin's birthday uh, birthday pick. <laughs> so that's going to be a very entertaining one. At that, I would add that the like seriously being a fan, an outside fan of Sepson. Uh, if you want the best way to get like up to date info on what's coming out on various physical media formats, Sepinson versus the world is the fucking one stop shop for that. You know, definitely. Um, I and Kabuki Jake also do a lot of really sick list videos. Like you know, they might not do them every week, but they do them over time, and they are worth tuning in for. I could never do. They will fill your shit with good recommendations. That you might not find <laughs> otherwise. Most sure. appreciated. I know I could never keep up with uh, what's coming. Well, I, I do keep up with what's coming out, but I could never record as, uh, uh, record as fast as you guys do. Oh, those guys hit it hard. Like yeah. I, I felt like that's my again one stop shop for like everything that's coming out on physical media. That's how I learn about it lately, and it is helping me out. When I used to write, when I used to write on my blog, I tried to do um, lists. Uh, 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 to be honest, of, of you know my my hit, but I could never, I could never come up with my, like the top ten or the top twenty or whatnot because I just wasn't there to that point where where I I could just pick and choose, you know. So. Yeah, they always bang it out, man. Like fucking, you know, you know, Brandon right here as like is good picks on what he wants, and then Kodabuki Jake. Why am I the only person you can say Kodabuki Jake? Right? Why do all these? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder that myself. <laughs> I've, I've been wondering that for like the last four episodes. I've listened to like Kodabuki Jake. It's Kodabuki Jake because you're Kobe. Phonetic. <laughs> I can put the shit in there. Uh, you know, Brandon has like your every man's pick on the stuff, and Kodabuki Jake always has that stuff on on like with those random sort of. I'm not gonna call them old people, but 
They are kind of that. Like, it's some shit my grandpa would have loved, you know? Yeah, he has that shit, and it's, like I said earlier in chat, I'm getting more into that since, because my grandpa died a couple of months back, and I inherited his mm. movie collection, you know? Yeah. It's not a down note. He was, like, fucking 90. He lived a good life. Uh, yeah. and so I got his movie collection, so I got, like, shit like West Side Story or, you know, Wizard of Oz, like, all type of crazy good stuff. The Music Man is one that I've been, like, gearing up to check out lately. Hmm. Oh, you guys also are stoked about movies that aren't, like, little genre flicks that we're all expecting, you know? <laughs> uh, like... Kotobuki Jake's whole deal with trying to watch all the fucking, like, Oscar-related movies is something that I've been considering embarking on. Uh, I've been slacking this year. <laughs> that shit okay. is super rad, dude. That's <laughs> halfway all. Alrighty. Um, uh, since you've been talking, Mo, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your channels. Oh, shit. I don't do anything of consequence. Sometimes I review like movies and games on my own channel, Drunken Master Studios. Mostly, you can find me over on Rebel Game Club. Just randomly shoehorned in there for some good crappiness. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to meet these guys through doing that kind of stuff, and and I feel blessed for it. But if you want to check out my channel, Drunken Master Studios. I feel super grateful for that. Not to hey, recently, uh, you had some metal tracks down there recently laid down, which are pretty cool. I did, yeah. Uh, I've been known to throw down on some, some metal tracks when it's invited, and I definitely have like a whole little series on shot on video horror that's coming out here real soon. David will appreciate it as well as our boy from Croatia and I noticed he checked out video violence we can get to a discussion about that here real soon so yeah basically just you know pop over to my place if you want to see somebody review crappy old movies and mm -hmm. belt out a metal track while playing video games <laughs> game boy all up in that bitch you know <laughs> Brandon can attest to that Hmm. Going over Kotobuki uh, Jake. Alright. Well, um, as has been alluded so far, um, uh, I have frequently guessed on Septim Sin vs. The World. Uh, I am. Like you like half that channel. <laughs> like, uh, like, like everyone who's gone thus far, I myself am a avid collector of media of many forms, and obviously like to talk about it, and it's good times, and I do have the pretty kick-ass Clerks 10 set that came out for this movie, and I really wish I had made time for the whole package. I never really did the first time around, um, but I got to watch a lot of it, and I look forward to more of it, uh, hopefully soon. Um, and, of course, in addition to uh, what I do on Septum Sin, I do occasionally post reviews on there for various reasons. It's been a while, but I have some in reserve that I'm hoping to get edited and out 
within a couple months, hopefully. Uh, as we go into the winter season, it should be easier to find time for that. And I do have my own YouTube channel called Vicky Jake, dedicated to nature and the natural world. Very poorly updated, but I have some good stuff. There will be more good stuff. Tune in now and then, and you might find something new. <laughs> and uh, I think that'll about wrap it up for this evening. <laughs> Okay. He's grossly downplaying his role on that channel. Kodabiki Jake is your source for like actual film that you know, you know you maybe wouldn't get recommended to you outside of like your grandparents watching shit. And that's not to say it's not good. It's just totally fucking awesome, like classic film that a lot of us overlook because we're busy jerking our hard movie dick and. I think that Jake is probably the unsung hero of that channel a little bit. Uh, Jake has replaced uh, Inside Movies Galore's uh, Dane uh, when it comes to uh, our source for classical film structure, directing, and uh, all things, uh, all things. I most certainly, I most certainly could not fill his shoes as a Kubrick fanatic. Oh, um, you yeah, gotta have Brandon <laughs> in there. Like Brandon is my favorite person on YouTube, but dude, you were like right there with him. And I, I think of you guys as like a package deal. My kid definitely, my daughter Nami loves Jake to the end of the earth. You know, like. And it's so adorable to watch her sit there and like jot her shit down in a little journal when we're watching. Um, but, yeah. So who's next up? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think motherfucker being all modest over here. You I guys guess, deserve it. Come I guess on. that would be me, uh, the unsung horror host of tonight's movie. But <laughs> uh, also uh, the. Uh, um, I also do a lot on my own channel, which, uh, well, I haven't done as much lately as I, uh, as, as I would like. Delusions of Grandeur. Delusions of Grandeur, where, where I, I, I like that mystique that I, that I bring to that. Um, we're over there adjusting our monocles. I like the, out of pipes. Kind of, <laughs> like the uh, Twilight Zone of uh, movie reviewers. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've also been told that I I am the Charles Manson of reviewers. Uh, and that's yeah. Exactly what I will actually go and review or take care of at that moment in time. So, uh, but uh, in any ca uh, case, uh, I know I've got some reviews uh, uh, that I started um, uh, out uh, out there uh, of the American. Quarter project from Arrow, which uh, I'll have a part two. Uh, 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 maybe, maybe I'll have a part two uh, to, uh, to those or not, because I'm still somewhat working on the extras on the discs. But I, uh, I'm doing at least the reviews first. So, uh, so I know originally I was going to include it all in, but I haven't really watched all the extras on those. So. Um, but, um, I have a couple of, uh, discussions out with Mo and, uh, uh, my story friend, um, Boris, and, uh, we 
Uh, we both went on separately at different times about my favorite film. And uh, I believe that I will be allowing Mo to put uh, uh, this one up on his channel. So, uh, so uh, uh, th thanks for going on with me, Mo. Um, yeah, for sure, Mo. That was looking forward to our darkness discussion, which is sometimes uh, darkness the vampire version. Do you still understand that? See, I was going to now that I've uh, once I fully um, do the rest of my American horror project, then I was actually going to um, watch those and the other films that uh, that we have planned to watch. Um, and uh, go on and discuss them uh, separately or what uh, whatnot. So, uh, so, and then uh, Brandon, uh, somewhere in there, uh, there we're going to do that um, Chinese discussion somewhere. Yeah, I think the next time I get paid, I'm just going to get hard copies of those two films and then just uh, review them again. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about due for Don Dollar special, too. I've considered uh, doing that on my channel, but I think it'd be more fun to do us for this discussion. Uh, yeah. If you're interested in joining us for this discussion, these both of these movies are actually on YouTube. Um, I believe it was... Uh, the fan, uh, Fantasy Mission Force. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine. It's um, a big Wu-Tang movie right there. <laughs> I, have to, I guess I might have to brave that other one again. I'm already started forgetting it. Like I said, it's been so long since I've seen yeah. it. But Master of the Flying Guillotine is uh, is like just a classic martial arts. I need to see that. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I gotta bring uh, bring out the Master of the Flying Guillotine. I've always wanted to watch it, and I figured it would be a perfect one to uh, tour for uh, for mm -hmm. the, uh, the other one. And uh, we also still have to do that uh, El, Mar El Mariachi and uh, oh yeah. For oh. sure. Is that the uh, Mexico trilogy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. That would be a good one for us to try to get on this. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, if, that would be a good one for everybody to do together. We should do the Mexico trilogy. <laughs> that would be a heck of an awesome trilogy. Yeah. We could also uh, sort of like grandfather in, uh, what do you call it, from Death to Dawn, because Dustin hasn't seen that yet. Really? That, that, yeah. that, tri that tripped me out when I saw that on his channel. He actually said he'd never seen from Never Dustin. seen it, right? Like, you saw the same well, video. Doesn't he hate Tarantino? I guess that would make sense. He hates Western. You don't have to like oh. Tarantino to he love Dustin. Yeah. He hates true. Westerns, and from Dust to Dawn, there's a Western. That's true. <laughs> I'm thinking we can hold his mind on Western with stuff like Bone Tomahawk or The Borrowers. So. Yeah, I could, I could see us do it. Do it. Well, The Borrowers, I could see see that being like half and half. <laughs> well, wait until we cover Tremors 4. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. uh, and that was more of a Chinese Western. Hmm. Yeah. Right. We are just doing Tremors one, right? Like I don't want to talk. Okay. I've got that big six pack, but uh, though I might watch all of them, I probably will be just talking about the first right. one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I'm gonna watch them all too, man. I'm sure me and you will have some a good face. I'll watch them all. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. a, I got my steel book from Walmart for that. <laughs> hey, nice, ladies and gentlemen. We will be watching Tremors, uh, the first one next week. So stay tuned right. for that. In any case. Hopefully you enjoyed our delightful discussion, which ran over two and a half. Well, ran over two hours. <laughs> In any case, everyone say good night. Good night. Good night. Say sexy, baby. Noobs. <sighs> nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job,